0: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Terry Martin. Hello, Texas,
1: glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State, and we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the
2: Rio Grande Valley. How are grazing conditions doing in the Texas Panhandle? Well, it depends on who you ask and where you ask. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story
3: on Texas Ag Today. Unanimous passage of water legislation out of the state senate. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
4: Urban Texans are buying acres in the country at a record rate. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today.
5: The cold is gone. The blue sky brings green grass. The peaches are all in bloom and appreciated here in East Texas. We're ready for a good year ahead. This is James Duncan from Marshall.
1: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The crisis on the Mexican border is causing a lot of problems for Texas farmers and ranchers. That was the message from Texas farmer Scott Frazier, who testified before members of the House Judiciary Committee touring the border recently.
6: Many of them are having you know, property damage done by these folks that are trafficking in these coyotes they're referred to. They're trafficking some of these folks to the major cities. Uh, they'll steal a car or suburban or pickup truck and take the seats out, fill them with as many people as they can and If they start, Border Patrol gets after them, they'll just run through a fence and tear up anything they need to to try to get away.
1: And while we always have a shortage of agricultural labor in the U.S., Frazier says this isn't the way to solve that problem.
6: Certainly we have a need for, you know, some labor force in agriculture, but... This isn't necessarily the way to go about it. And most of these folks don't care to work in agriculture, so it's not helping as much there.
1: Another aspect of this situation is the sudden halt in construction of the border wall. Frazier says stopping that type of construction project before it's complete has put border farms, ranches, and towns in jeopardy of flooding.
6: Some of the levees and things like that along the river that protect not only farmland, but the cities down there, the towns, from floods, You know, some of those levees were knocked down or, or reduced in, in height. So if we were to ever get a a big uh, flood event, certainly it would damage a lot of crops and livestock, but it would also damage those towns and cities along the river downstream from where the levees were breached. And right now with the border wall construction being stopped and put on hold, we basically have these gaping holes in the levees that if we were to get a flood event could be catastrophic to many folks on the border in agriculture and outside of agriculture also.
1: Texas farmer, Scott Frazier. How are grazing conditions doing in the Texas panhandle? James Hunt says it depends on who
2: you ask and where you ask. Looking at the latest drought monitor map, we continue to see a split around the panhandle, things looking pretty good overall to the north and east, but pretty dry to the south and west. Among those on the dry side is Randall County, where extension agent J.D. Ragland is urging ranchers in his area to control their stocking rates as grazing is limited.
5: We don't have a lot of available soil moisture right now to help push that grass growth and get some good growth and development. Hopefully, we'll be getting some rainfall to increase that grass growth.
2: And if some precipitation comes soon, Raglan says livestock producers could also be helped by newly planted summer forages like hay grazer. Turning to a location where more generous amounts of precipitation have fallen, in Hansford County, Extension agent Matt Whiteley says grazing conditions actually look pretty good, thanks in large measure to that last snow back in March, which Whiteley describes as having been a pretty wet snow.
6: I think it was about eight inches of
4: snow, and by the time it uh, melted within a day, we were looking about three to four inches of actual ground water getting into the soil.
2: So we do indeed have a mix of fortunes around the region. Now, on a special note about our area Extension agents, longtime Hall County agent Josh Brooks has been promoted to the position of Extension's District Administrator for the Panhandle. Brooks is now the immediate supervisor for the agents around the 22 County District, a job he sees as one of service
5: service. I'll be trying to help those agents be the best agents that they can be, and I'll be directing those agents in programming.
2: Programming, Brooks says, he wants to make sure is tailored to meet the needs of panhandle people. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Water legislation is under consideration in the Texas legislature. Tom
3: Nicoletti has more. Today in Waco, we catch up with uh, Billy Howe. He is uh, Texas Farm Bureau Associate Director of Government Affairs and uh, Billy tracks water legislation for farmers and ranchers across the state and Billy you have an update today on uh, Senate Bill 152 by Senator uh, Charles Perry of Lubbock. We talked about that several weeks ago and uh, where does that uh, bill stand uh, in the legislature at this point?
7: Senate Bill 152 passed the Senate unanimously And uh, it is now on its way over to the House, where Representative Cody Harris will pick that bill up, who is the vice chair of the House Natural Resources Committee. And uh, he also was the author of the House Companion Bill to Senate Bill 152.
3: And certainly farmers and ranchers and rural landowners are uh, supporting that type of legislation that is uh, moving through the legislature. Uh, Give us a a quick uh, essence of what the bill is calling for.
7: Well, the bill uh, tries to improve the regulatory process for landowners with regards to if you find yourself in a situation where the groundwater district either has adopted a rule or is making a permitting decision that will affect your property rights. So the bill tries to make sure that landowners have notice of the permit applications that are going to be taken up by the district so that they can take a look at those and determine if it's something that they need to be concerned about and uh, also gives landowners an alternative to having to hire an attorney and file a lawsuit against a district by allowing the landowner to petition the district to perhaps change a rule, to repeal a rule, or to maybe adopt a new rule currently. Currently, landowners don't have a formal process by which to do that under the law. The bill also addresses the attorney's fees provision, which is very unfair to landowners, where if you do have to go to court and you lose, you have to pay their attorney's fees. The law doesn't allow the landowner to get to recoup their attorney's fees if they were to win. Unfortunately, it looks like that issue is not going to to get resolved because of the opposition from the groundwater districts, which is a, a very strange circumstance because there's currently a lawsuit working its way through the federal court system where under federal law, it's much more friendly to landowners So if the attorney's fees provision isn't fixed in state law, it's actually going to push these cases to federal law and the federal courts are going to be determining Texas groundwater rights.
3: That is Texas Farm Bureau Associate Director of Government Affairs, Billy Howell, joining us today from Waco. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Urban Texans
1: are buying acres in the country at a rapid rate. Gary Joyner takes a closer look.
4: The dream of many Texans is to buy a piece of it and become a proud landowner. The sentiment became a stampede in 2020. A report by the Texas Real Estate Research Center at Texas A&M University shows purchases of rural land in the state last year by city-dwelling Texans reached a record high. Urbanites bought 552,707 acres for $1.69 billion. There were 7,684 land sales, that's a big number. It represents an increase of nearly 29% over the previous year. The average size of a land sale was 1,139 acres, that's about 13% below 2019. As expected, the much higher demand for rural land drove the average price per acre up 3% to thousand and sixty four dollars. The center says rural markets near Austin, Waco, and the Hill Country saw some of the largest growth in the state. The desire to own rural land is understandable. Let's hope the properties remain working lands because Texas agriculture needs every acre it can hold on to. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today.
1: Spring is in full swing in East Texas. James Duncan reports from Marshall.
5: Spring is here and we appreciate it in East Texas because we're looking like a great big bouquet of white, pink, and red with the red uh, bud trees, the peach trees, and the dogwoods in full bloom. It is beautiful. That improves the attitude of everyone in agriculture because they see that green grass coming. The pine tree planting wrapped up. It was wet, cold, and muddy, and when they got through with it, they were happy this time around. Got a lot of acres of new pine trees. It'll be online several years from now for us to have plenty of timber. Would like to see that timber price up a little bit more, and then it would include or encourage a little bit more timber planting. Maybe that'll happen before 2021 is wrapped up. Cattle producers, well, what they would like is the price to move up just a little bit because they're going to start culling some of these old cows that didn't do real well in the winter time. February shook them, March took them. If they made it through April, we're looking for a good production here. Very good nourishment is out there in that grass that is coming right now. The herd bulls need evaluation for soundness to make sure that you'll have a crop next year. First application of haymatter fertilizer is out. More pleasant thoughts, the peach trees are giving indication of abundant peaches. Delicate fruits will be well accepted with the markets planning right now to open up on schedule, getting everything cleaned up and ready for opening day. East Texas is great right now. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today.
8: There's a change in store for landowners who enroll in the Managed Lands Deer Program. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And this is foaling season here in Texas, and all newborn foals should have their legs examined closely. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas
8: Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery.
2: Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It is spring foaling
1: season here in Texas, and it's a good idea to have all newborn foals' legs examined very closely. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains.
9: Foals can have a number of leg issues that should be addressed early in their lives. The most important thing is to look at the foals' legs when standing and walking and check for any lameness or unusual gait. It is important to look for outward rotation of the leg, causing the feet to point outward more than normal. Also, make sure the limbs are relatively straight when looking from the front and back. When looking from the side, the leg should be mostly straight with a normal hoof pasture and axis. It is important to look for abnormalities because some require immediate treatment, while other problems may correct with limited exercise. The first hoof trimming should be at one month, and basically the sole should be cleaned with a wire brush and only a rasp should be used at the heels, so the heel is on the same plane as the frog. You can round the toe, but do not remove any sole at this point, as the sole is very thin and sole removal can lead to lameness and other problems. You may have heard to lower the hoof wall on the outside of the hoof if the foal's hoof is towed out, and remove inner wall if the foal's hoof is towed in. Dr. Tracy Turner indicated in the practitioner that this is incorrect and the foot should always be trimmed level, as trimming unevenly may cause skeletal problems later in life. There are multiple potential problems with the foal's legs, including rotating outward, deviated inward or outward, laxity of the tendons, or too much contraction of the muscles and tendons. And all of these require specific treatments. So if you have a foal with an unusual leg issue... Call your vet to determine the best course of action, and do not wait, as some of the treatments are age and time sensitive. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a change
1: in store for landowners who enroll in the Managed Lands Deer Program. Jessica Dommel has the details in today's wildlife report.
8: Landowners who enroll in the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's Managed Lands Deer Program will notice a change this year. There's now a fee. Alan Kane, TPWD's White-tailed Deer Program leader, says program participants will either pay $30 or $300 depending on which plan they choose.
10: Last legislative session, which I guess was two years ago, the legislature adopted a bill to give the partial of commission to adopt rules to be able to charge a fee. And once that was passed, the Texas legislature, then we were able to go to the commission with the proposal on the fee structure, the amount of the fee. And that was adopted January of 2020. And then it's taken about a year, really, to get the system to the point where we can be able to handle credit
8: card payments The fees collected will be used to hire more biologists, which are needed due to the popularity of MLDP. Around the year 2000, we had about
10: 80 biologists working with the program. And then back then, we only had about 800 properties enrolled in the MLD program. Well, you fast forward till today and we still had the same number of biologists. We hadn't hired new staff in the field to address the growth the MLD program in 20 years, but we've seen that number of enrollments in the program go from 800 to nearly 12,000. We need to find a way to help provide that additional funding to support new staff that we can use to provide the level of service and technical guidance.
8: Enrollment in the MLDP conservation option is open now through June 15th. Enrollment in the harvest option opens on May 1st. Landowners can apply on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
1: We saw a pullback in the cattle markets on Friday after a fairly good week of trading. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
2: Here's a thought for Earth Day. American farmers are the original conservationists. They preserve the land, grow more food with fewer resources, and protect nature season after season. That's why commitments from Syngenta's Good Growth Plan focus on three key goals. Helping farmers, accelerating innovation to support climate resiliency, and improving sustainability of agriculture for future generations. This message is brought to you by Syngenta as we celebrate this year's Earth Day theme, Restore Our Earth.
0: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
1: We wrapped up the trading week on a lower note in the cattle complex on Friday, but overall it was a very good week. Just looked like the market took a bit of a breather on Friday after a big run up in prices. We closed with April live cattle down 72 cents 123.42, June live cattle down 245 at 122.57. August down a dollar sixty-two at one twenty-two forty. Feeder cattle closing lower. April down two thirty-seven, one forty-four seventy-five. May feeders down a dollar ninety-seven at one forty-nine sixty-two. August feeder cattle down a dollar sixty five. $159.95. 15995 The fed cattle market had a great week. We saw a big jump, one of the biggest jumps we've had here in recent memory. Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma feedlots all able to get as high as 122 on a live basis. That is much improved from the 117 we had the previous week. Up north, they sold cattle as high as 125 on a live basis, 196 on the rail. Boxed beef continues a historic run higher. Boxed beef higher again on Friday up another1.33 on the choice at 27.183. Select up 72 cents at 264.55. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking
10: the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway, it's time to talk to Wayne let Gillespie livestock. He sells cattle in Fredericksburg on Wednesday. Wayne, how'd that thing turn out?
11: Well, we had 861 hit today, Larry. Cow market steady strong. They um, might have taken a little bit off, but I thought he was really active. Uh, you know, the better cows should bring from 65 to 75. Didn't have one of those real high yielders today to make the market report, but anyway, they're also really good. Yeah, market, I called it basically steady. Some of the cultural won't quite be as high last week because this week I had more crossbred cattle. Where last week I had more English blood cattle. Uh, those good yearling steers that we have, they weighed like 723 and bring 146. And from 138. You know, and that was pretty, pretty active. And um, that's with some ear on them. Uh, Looks like the five weight cattle up into the, the 170s, maybe low 180s. Six weights up in the high 150s. Um, some four weights hit right at $2 and three weights all up to 250. I have from uh, eights, four-weight's kind of up to 165, um, five-weight's in the low-wind 50s. So that was really good. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of buyer participation today. But the thing that we really saw, Larry, we saw more new crop calves today. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, and they brought really good money. You know, some four-weight new crop calves bring up in the 80s. Quite a bit better on that
10: instance. Good, good. The transition's been made then.
11: Sure
10: is. How about sheep and goats next week?
11: Well, we'll have a better run than we had this week. You know, the market was so very good. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, that was because after holiday, we didn't have quite as many as we've been running. But we're thinking, oh three to 4000 next week. And uh, we have a wean sale, a cattle sale. Best mm-hmm. custom wean cattle, be sure to use a call when advertising.
10: Good deal. Wayne guys. why does Sean? She can go to Tuesday, Cattle Wednesday. Tell everybody how to contact you,
11: Wayne.
10: We're 830-997-4-3-9-4. Hey, I'm Larry Marble. I'm the host of Walk in the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Now back over to the futures market, where lean hogs closed steady to
1: higher. April unchanged, 103.47. May hogs up 95 cents, 106.37. Class three milk was mixed. April milk unchanged, 17.63. 100. May milk down 3 cents, 19.37. 100 weight. The cotton market closed higher, getting spillover support from that very good export sales report we had on Thursday morning. USDA showing 318,906 bales. The cumulative sales for the 2021 marketing year have reached 14.84 million bales. That's 104% of USDA's estimate. We closed with May cotton up 99 points, 82.40. December cotton up 66, closing the week at 81.78 cents. The wheat market closed higher, getting support from USDA's April supply and demand report released Friday morning. USDA lowered imports for the 2021 crop by 10 million bushels, down to a total of 110 million bushels. That lowered the total supply for the 2021 wheat crop to 2.96 billion bushels. The market reacted with July Kansas City wheat up 10.5, 5.94 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 10, closing at 6.40 and a half. The corn market didn't have much reaction to the supply and demand report on Friday. USDA lowered corn ending stocks for 2021 by 150 million bushels, bringing it down to 1.35 billion bushels. May corn was down two and a half, 5.77 and a quarter. September corn up three quarters, 5.10 and three quarters. December corn up one and three quarters, 4.96 and a half. In the energy markets, May natural gas unchanged at 252. May crude oil down 28 cents, 59.32 a barrel. The financial markets higher: the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 144 points, 33,648. The Nasdaq up 9, 13,839. The S&P 500 up 13 points at 4,110. That wraps up our look at the markets and that wraps up another edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website,